What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two what sports, quote-unquote, professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting. But we like to have fun, keep things loose, a lot to get to today, a jam-packed episode for y'all. But as always, shout-out JD Masters and Buddha, Man in the Mirror, our intro-outro music. Go show them some love, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream your music, anywhere you can stream our podcast, like Spotify, Apple. Google Stitcher, you'll find JD Masters and Buddha, friends of the program, friends of ours. Evan, happy Tuesday recording here as we get ready for a jam pack week leading up to it, but we've also had a jam pack weekend and really even last night on Monday Night Football. Tons of things to get into. We'll start with the NFL, Evan. I want to, um, yeah, I briefly mentioned to you that this you're going to get some enjoyment out of this. I think some of the listeners are going to get enjoyment out of this. Uh, so fantasy football is a thing, as I know you play in fantasy football. A lot of people who sure. listen do. So I had three teams. I had one team that was soundly in the playoffs. I didn't really care. You know, it was weird. Can I just say one thing, too? Scheduling week 14 buys at fantasy football really sucked for a lot of teams. This one team, it really sucked. I had to start like five Bills players. And obviously, when you <laughs> score 20 points, it's not good. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I lost there, but it was fine. I was already in the playoffs, didn't really need it. I think I maybe lose one spot in the seating. I had two leagues where I was hinged on the playoffs. The first league is a is a twelve man league with six team playoff. I was coming in six six and one heading into week fourteen. Yes, yeah, so there is a literal tie in decimals. Unbelievable how I have a tie. I am the Washington Commanders of fantasy football. I lose this game of by point one eight points. Oof. That was the difference of me making the playoffs or not by losing by .18 points. Do you know why, Ev, I lost by .18 points? I'll tell you why. I know you don't, but I'll tell you why. It's because when I was thinking to myself last Tuesday or Wednesday when I needed to add a defense because the Saints were on a bye, I said, let's go to the defense. Let's see what I can pick up on free agency. I looked at all the matchups and all the defense available. And I said, ooh, the Titans' defense against a struggling Jaguar offense? Sorry, Evan Ryer, but I'm absolutely going to hammer the Titans. Well, that shit came back and bit me right in the ass, Evan. Negative six points. Negative six points. That was the absolute. They could have just dropped a goose egg, and I'm in the playoffs. Negative five, I'm in the playoffs. Nope. Negative six. So congratulations, Evan Ryer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I went against y'all and I paid the ultimate price. I also am in another fantasy league too, where I'm now in the last place game. I think I've told you about this league, Evan. It's where there's a yes. punishment involved. I am now officially in the. I have lost six games in a row. Oof. I have no. I have no consistency. I have nothing going for this team right now. I lost that one by a tiebreaker of points four by two points. 
the guy who made the playoffs beat me by two points in total points for the season. So just another brutal beat. It's, it's been a brutal day for me to start this off so far. And it all started with me doubting the Jacksonville Jaguars and Nick Folk making a lot of field goals last night for the New England Patriots. Sad, sad day, but that's just what you get because, Evan, I think it's a great way to start it off. The Jacksonville Jaguars, you, my friend, are going to have to let your heart be possibly broken again. Hate to say it. I'm really annoyed. Um, after the Broncos, <laughs> after the Broncos game, it was so like, okay, well, our season's over, and this is all a joke, and we're gonna have to draft another quarterback again. And you know, it was it was just absolutely dire straits uh, uh, after that London game. Um, well, since London, Trevor Lawrence has a 111 QB rating, ten touchdowns, zero picks, 72 percent completion rating. Averaging like 280 yards a game. Um, he had four touchdowns against the Titans this past week. Uh, and just, I don't know, man. It's like if you're a good team and you're playing the Jaguars, you should be scared. You really should be. If you're a bad team or if you're you know somewhere in the middle like the Lions were, mm-hmm. you should be so stoked. Like if you're like, you know, if you also have like seven losses, you the Jaguars game is, is awesome because you are going to win that game. But if you are the Ravens, the Titans... The Jags got to play the Cowboys this weekend. For whatever reason, Doug Peterson just saves everything, and the entire Jaguars roster saves everything. Because not only did did uh, Trevor Lawrence play well against the Titans on Sunday, the defense finally showed up for the first time in like probably I don't know eight weeks. So um, you know if they did turn that corner, that's great. But yes, unfortunately now uh, I I can't really quit caring about the Jags until the end of the season because the Jags are two games back of the Titans. They still have to play the Titans at home in the final game of the season, final game of the regular season. Mm -hmm. The Titans still have to play before they get to the Jags. Uh, the the Titans still have to play the Chargers and the Cowboys. The, you know, and the Jags have to play the Cowboys and the in the Jets. And then they both have to play the Texans. So if they both win the Texans game, it then comes down to those out of out of division games, and who knows what's going to go on there. So yeah, the Jags are very much. I mean, they could be entering Week 18. You know, they, that was actually something I saw recently. Was so you know someone was explaining more than likely the only game that's going to matter in Week 18 at the current rate potentially is Jaguars Titans which would mean we would get Sunday night football in Jacksonville uh uh in January which would be uh hysterical um to get a Sunday night football game for this Jaguars team that is again let, let me remind you 5 and 8 um what a know, troll this- job i mean hey when the AFC is in the battle i mean that's the great thing about this AFC being just so like so um, bad it's just being such a bad division that the Jaguars getting a primetime game. You said this about two weeks ago. I would have been like, absolutely. What? No. Now it's like, ooh, I kind of actually like that. I almost like the mediocrity making it to a national stage. Well, and the thing is, is it'll be very funny because if the let's say the Jags pull off a division win and they somehow get to the playoffs, well, um, enjoy because they seem destined for a clash with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, on their. Actually, it would be at home, I guess. You know, it's a division winner, so uh, that would be cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, the dream would come to a swift, swift end, I think. But it, you know, displacing the Titans as division champs that would be huge. You know, that would be something that I don't think anyone would have expected in Doug Peterson since first year you know at the beginning of the season we were kind of talking about six to seven wins Mm -hmm. well 
they're at five wins, you know, and uh, I think, you know, they definitely got one more win in them. Um, you know, if they can go beat the Cowboys uh, this weekend, it's really on. I mean, it's it's very much going to be, okay, now you go play the Jets, which is on Thursday night football. Yep. Uh, go play the Jets and then the Texans and then the Titans. You ought to be able to win two of those last three and then potentially be, you know, dancing with the Titans for the spot. So, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, you know, does it, does it frustrate you, Ev, just, you know, because we, you know, we haven't talked about your Jags in a couple of weeks just because things have been so difficult for them. When you look back at maybe the chunk, I'm thinking that Eagles through the Broncos, through London, yeah, right? Yeah, half of the season. You know, where you guys, I think you hit like a five-game losing streak, something like that. And, you know, I, I'm, I think the Texans were close. Let me pull it up here. Okay. Texans were close. Colts right there. Giants a one-score game. Broncos a one-score game. Eagles, you know, still a one-score game. I know we, you know, that's just something where, where you guys didn't really get all that upset about. But how when you look back at, at the close losses and you look to where you are now, because I know the expectation you guys was still pretty minimal and you were just hoping for a seven win season to show some growth with Trevor. Does it bug you? Does it rebug you again to see those close losses? Or do you take that as a learning lesson? You'll lick your wounds and okay, that, that just is what it is. No, I mean, it really, really stinks. I mean, from the stre- the month of October, right? Yeah. From the month of October, the Jags went 0-5. Um, the biggest loss they had was by eight points to the Eagles. Um, and but, but the Eagles, like you said, you don't really care about that. You don't even – I mean, the Broncos' loss sucked, but it was more because of the games before it than so much. If, if you lose to the Broncos in a weird game in London or whatever, it's like, okay, you know, that shit happens. Weird teams win in London all the time. The Jaguars do. Um, but, but the loss to the Texans, the loss to the Colts, and blowing a big lead against the Giants, I mean, those three weeks, yeah, I mean, if you can just pull out a win or two wins there, you're not just looking at running down the Titans, you're kind of expecting to to meet the Titans in the last week with the same record, you know, is, is kind of what you're thinking. So it's um yeah, I mean you do you do wish that, you know, that, that the team had put it together sooner. And I'm not even gonna say that the team has put it together. I mean this is a team that is again less than two weeks uh from a twenty six point loss to the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. I mean the Jaguars could very easily step out against the Cowboys on Sunday and get dump trucked. And even, you know, I mean, it, it, and, that, and that's okay. The Cowboys are a good team or whatever, but right. I, I'm not going to hold my breath, I guess. You know, we'll, we'll wait and see for some guess well, I guess, but... I, I guess that's a, that's a, it'd be an abrupt way of being like, okay, you know, the lightning in a bottle wasn't there. It was fun. It was frisky. And I guess that's what you take out of it. Because, I mean, I would expect the Cowboys and the Jets to be rather difficult. Because I, yeah. I think the Jets are very good. I think the Jets are a very good team, and it's, and it's on the White, road. It's yeah. nighttime. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be an atmosphere. But it's a great chance for you guys to get revenge in Houston against the Texans for a loss that shouldn't that shouldn't have happened. You know, let's let's call yeah. it what it is. And then the Titans as well. You're now you get them at home. End of the season. I I, lo- I love that spot there for you guys. So e- even even if the Cowboys kind of becomes that abrupt end in the long run of like okay this was this isn't it, you could still I mean you could be an eight win team. 
Yeah, which would be fine. You know, if they if they win eight games and they don't make the playoffs, everyone in Jacksonville is going to be unbelievably stoked. And um, I was having this conversation but, with my boss uh, about, up in the press box of uh, for the Bills game Sunday. What what we both like about the Jag, and he knows I'm a, I, I've always been a, a Jaguars guy next to him. He, quite frankly, I'll be honest, is not the biggest Jaguars guy. He actually does not like TIA Bank Field. It's one of his worst stadiums he's ever visited. Yeah, I mean, so. it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty nothing. So yeah, yeah but uh, but to be to be fair, for you know, I don't want to speak like he was talking negatively. The, the Jaguars are now in a great position. I feel like in the AFC South because obviously there there is trouble brewing in the Titans because they aren't they don't have anything that gives you hope in terms of young talent other than maybe Traylon Burks if he's healthy. Uh, you know, you still have Derrick Henry, but you have Ryan Tannehill there who's clearly just not the guy who's going to be prolific, who can carry you to the heights that your offense should be striving to. You traded away A.J. Brown. I, I, The AFC South is just – and with Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis, there's like – it's so many shoulder shrugs. The Texans are – I feel like are always going to be the Texans. Seven, eight wins should do enough for the Jaguars' confidence next year where, like, next year should be realistic expectations of we should win the division. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, is that, I mean, the Titans are, you know, we talked about last week when they fired their GM that they were kind of trying to rebuild in while the rest of the AFC South is floundering, and that still may work. You know, they still yeah. may be able to do a half rebuild and, you know, just a couple good offseason moves, and that team could be you know, kind of back to it's like 2018, 2019 kind of glory. But, um, yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that until further notice, the Jaguars have the best quarterback in the division. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not. I'd agree. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence's stats this season are very, very good. He is his tape in some games has not been great. His tape in other games has looked insane. If you go look at the throws he made against the Titans, I mean, it is and, it is beautiful and the, stuff. But. And there's an argument right now you could be had to say, like, okay, spur of the moment, snap of the finger, which quarterback out of the AFC South do you want on your team? You could make the argument for Ryan Tannehill right now. But if I'm looking for years ahead as to what builds consistency, who the weapons he has around him, you know what the great thing my boss and I were talking about, too? Everybody forgets this because he's not playing for you guys. The Jaguars are going to have Kelvin Ridley. Yeah, it's going to be so nice. It's going to be well, very, very good. That, Christian Kirk's other. still there, too. You know, and, and, and I'm saying Trevor is a guy long-term that anybody in the AFC South would want to have. I think yeah. I think that's where the argument absolutely gets hammered home for Trevor. You can make the argument for Tannehill being the snap-finger guy you want on your team right now because he has some playoff experience. He's been around the league a little bit longer. But in terms of down the road, looking ahead, it's Trevor Lawrence. It's not even close. Yeah, and uh, before we move on, I will say that, yeah, I mean, I have to, you know, this entire conversation, I hope it's been clear, that I've been eating my own words, because after that Broncos game, I was very much under the impression that Trevor was not going to be the guy. I mean, I was there, I watched that game, it was abysmal. I won't ever really take back some of the things I said after that game, but... I mean, full credit to him. In the five games since then, he has been absolutely lights out. One of the best players in the NFL, um, even, and and uh, hopefully, hopefully, it continues on. Um, but Dom, you had uh, you brought up the Bills, and you know they're they're making waves this morning because. Um, Man, what the hell is going on? Cole Beasley is not retired anymore. He's back again for the second time this season. Um, I guess you guys, I guess, you know, what that really says between that and we didn't bring up yet that the uh, Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton yesterday. Um, 
you know, the Bills signed Cole Beasley. The Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton. I guess Odell must be going to New York or nothing uh, because uh, it sounds like the Cowboys and the Bills have bailed out. Well, I, I, I think the Odell back – Odell Beckham argument for what he's doing. I think it more supports for why the Cowboys went and got T.Y. The Bills, I believe, more so looked at Cole. And, and, and I'm not going to say that's not a contributing factor as to why the Bills signed Cole Beasley. But I wholeheartedly will believe the Bills signed Cole Beasley because, to quote Stephon Diggs, when they re-signed John Brown to our team, got the whole gang back together. I think there is something that brings solidity and validity to that locker room. And per one of the sports reporters here in Buffalo who kind of helped break the story is he, Josh Allen was a very much a catalyst as to a guy who wanted Cole back in there. Your franchise quarterback wants some familiarity in that receiver room, wants some guys he knows he can trust. Cole Beasley is that name. And, and regardless of what you think about Cole's stance on you know, his COVID, his vaccination status, some of the things he said outside of it, I'm going to look at this solely for what he brings into the receiver room, what he does on the football field. I've heard Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, lots of other receivers around the NFL say how good of a receiver Cole Beasley is, how much separation he creates. Because I'll tell you one thing I saw in that game Sunday against the Jets is that literally only Stephon Diggs in the three times he caught the ball was the only guy that could create somewhat of separation other than maybe Dawson Knox. The Cole Beasley signing also tells me too is that one, Josh has some say and he wants to bring back people that he's familiar with, but two, He's sick and tired of Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie dropping passes, dropping balls that should be caught. Conditions were awful at Highmark Stadium Sunday. It was rainy. It was cold. It was groggy. But that doesn't excuse you from not doing your job. You know, McDermott preaches the 111th. Your 111th as a receiver is to catch balls. Josh has said it to Stephon Diggs. Your job, I, only need, I need you to get open and catch a ball. Josh Allen needs Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis to get open and catch balls. They aren't doing that. Cole Beasley out of the slot was a dynamite guy in his final season that he really played fully with the Buffalo Bills. Well, I should take that back. His best season came towards his second to last season with the Bills in 2020, almost a thousand yards receiving and I believe 60 plus catches. That is what he brings out of the slot position where Isaiah just has not been as consistent as the Bills needed him to be. I'm going to view this as Cole Beasley as a very good bring back, good addition to the receiver room who brings more options that Josh Allen now has in the passing game and can hopefully jumpstart this very inconsistent roller coaster type offense. I don't want to use the Jets game as a total like sign of the times because again, conditions were awful. It's not easy. You wish the Bills had a better run game so they could have grounded and pounded the Jets a little bit better in those kind of conditions. But it's clear that the Bills need some help on offense. And I think Cole Beasley is a guy, even though he's 33, can provide a spark and at least can get you somewhat somewhat back to your normal old ways. You know, there's still play calling that comes from Ken Dorsey, but there's familiarity that Cole Beasley brings back. And I, I like the addition because you know what? Yeah. There's a there's a risk to reward for everything. I don't see any risk because clearly by everybody's, uh, you know, a lot of the Bills guys who have been commenting on the Bills Instagram post, Dawson Knox, Steph, Deion Dawkins. 
Taiwan Jones. There, he, Cole Beasley is clearly not a locker room issue. The guys are stoked yeah. to have Cole Beasley back. Right. It, it, Cole just unfortunately ran into a very tricky time in our society where you know opinions about certain things were being chastised, and for and and that's everybody's belief on whether Cole was right or wrong. And that that's just you know he he unfortunately got caught up in a time where you know there that was a thing and it just didn't pan out for the longevity of his career but now he gets to come back i take it as a fresh start for cole and when you're looking still at a team that's 10 and 3 despite everything that's happened to them and still with super bowl and a control of the one seed in the afc in their own hands there's no there's no risk in bringing cole beasley back so i'm excited for it and at least now you know he's going to be on the practice squad I would not be shocked at if they bring him back. I mean, they elevated John Brown to the to, you know, for the Patriots game the week uh, you know the week they brought him in on the practice squad. Cole Beasley absolutely could be elevated. There, there's there's no doubt in my mind. He's familiar not with the Brian or not with the Ken Dorsey offense, but he's familiar enough that his learning curve is expedited substantially. So, yeah, I have no comments on you know like really it's not. Like anything that I think is ridiculous about this has nothing to do with uh you know Beasley's uh, beliefs or anything like that. <laughs> it's just wild, you know. I mean, you know, to 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 kind of go through this again. I mean, I guess there's only only one team that he could do this with the Bills, and you know they're obviously giving him a paycheck that he's he's down for, and you know he's got all the encouragement in the world from the players and stuff. But, um, but uh. I guess my point being, it's just like, you know, to come back out of, you know, come back after, you know, mid, kind of at the beginning of the season with the Bucks, and then you're out after two weeks and then now you're back. Like just a, it's, it's going to be a, a year to remember when it comes to Cole Beasley, no matter what kind of numbers he ends up putting up. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you guys got to have a change of pace, you know, someone on offense that can, you know, not even make plays, but just kind of set a tone. Um, and I think uh, I think Cole can do that. I think uh, I think I think obviously that's part of his whole DNA is his you know his personality and his attitude when he's um, on the field. So um, we'll be interested to see how that changes y'all's offense. Um, Dom, we've also had a, kind of a you know you know we'd mentioned the T.Y. Hilton signing. That's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't know where OBJ is going. Like I said, could be the Giants. He I also said last week that. He could just not play this year. You and know, honestly, he just... I'm, I, I think it's it's the, the longer we wait, the more I think it trends in that in that direction. Well, he can't play until the playoffs anyway. See, that yeah. kind of that bomb was dropped. And early, and like, here's the week, thing: so. if 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 Ty and Cole sign, uh, signings for, from the Bills and Cowboys really does indicate that they had to make a move because maybe. Odell's not coming there. The Giants are kind of being proved. If we want to say the Giants, right, this other third team that's emerged, the Giants are kind of being proved that they're they're not as sustained for a playoff run as we kind of thought they were. There are some very glaring holes in the Giants offense and the Giants team as, as a whole. So Odell Beckham trying to sign with the Giants, well, they might not even be in the playoffs. Let's be real. I mean, the NFC East is very competitive. The Cowboys are the clear number two team there, and the Giants have to keep winning games because the Commanders are still on their tail. You know, yeah. so I mean, there's a there's a world where you know every team in the NFC East gets in, but I think the Cowboys or the Giants still have to play the Cowboys and the the Eagles again still. So I mean, I I don't know out of a playoff contender where Odell Beckham wants to sign. I don't know, but yeah, the more the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, okay, Odell Beckham return in 2023. 
Yeah. Well, uh, and that will, uh, but like you said, we still may have a, uh, a bit of a, a plot twist there, uh, depending. Um, other big NFL news before we move on, um, you know, really, you know, we've made a lot of jokes about Kyler Murray and, you know, I think a lot of right now, Kyler Murray's stock has never been lower in the NFL. I mean, just people are not, not really bought in on his play. And unfortunately mm-hmm. for him, it's going to be a while before he can really prove them otherwise. Cause he tore his ACL last night in the game against the Patriots. Um, it's really, really stinks. I mean, whether you like him or not, you know, you want players like Kyler to be on the field. He does, uh, 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 make the game more entertaining and, you know, just sucks to see someone get injured. So, um, and then also, uh, kind of pre, you know, on Sunday, uh, Debo Samuel, man, it kind of looked like he got absolutely screwed. Like he, his, his like knee was going to be forever busted, but instead it turns out he's got a sprained ankle and a sprained knee. So he is going to be able to return in the regular season, like in a few weeks. So, uh, good news for Debo and the 49ers who, man, they uh they put it on the Buccaneers. I mean, Tom Brady looked helpless, uh, but Brock Purdy, kind of the new folklore hero of the NFL, Mister Irrelevant. Uh, he's now two and zero as a starter and throwing dimes while he's doing it. Money. I mean, you know, I love. I, I mean, and, and you made the comparison um, before we start uh, recording this. Was like it's it, it's the it's the Gardner Minshew story. Brock Purdy is such a great name to just like yeah. to have circling around here. I think Gardner Minshew obviously was a great name as well. I know we both are big Gardner guys, but like. You couldn't have a better name. You couldn't have a better story about a Mr. Irrelevant giving it to another Mr. Irrelevant in that game as well. So uh, it was it was a cool little moment they had after the post game. But listen, I think the, the Niners, I think you would probably agree with us, Seth. The Niners are very, very good. Their defense is unbelievable. Unbelievably good. They obviously have weapons on offense that can get it done. But their quarterback issue, it's like that's the thing that was going to keep them from maybe getting to an NFC championship, possibly a Super Bowl. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to like say off two games that my sample size has given me the clear voyance to say that Brock Purdy is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. But God damn, do I believe that man might be frisky in a playoff environment. And who knows? Who knows what happens when the Green Bay Packers drop a dud or, you know, the uh, the. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys blow it to the Niners again because Dak Prescott can't down the ball on his own th- on the opposing team's 30-yard line in time. You know, who knows? But I, I like Brock Purdy, lightning in a bottle for the Niners because honestly, with all their injuries out, that's kind of what this team needs. Yeah, well, uh, that's... I just want to say how funny it is, too, that the 49ers can't go two weeks without some form of quarterback controversy. Like, you know, it's, oh, is Jimmy G going or not? Okay, Jimmy G's staying. Okay, well, can Trey Lance do the job? Okay, Trey Lance is hurt. Okay, well, the random guy we drafted in the seventh round is now, like, the best quarterback we've had since Joe Montana. So it's just like, (laughs) it's just like, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan, that's, I will say this, I saw a tweet about this, and that actually, speaking of Kyle Shanahan, this, this is very real. Kyle Shanahan has to be front runner for coach of the year. The 49ers are winning the NFC West. They're dead set for uh, a pl- for the playoffs and you know we know that they can make a run. And that man has had three different quarterbacks this year. Two quarterbacks have gone down with serious injuries and he just keeps winning. Whatever you want to say about Kyle Shanahan, whether he's, you know, a bad game manager or you know he's overrated or whatever, I, I don't know, man. When you are down to your third-string quarterback and you're still 
peeling off like 30 point wins i don't know dude like that's that's a good coach right there so um yeah uh fun stuff there dom anything else nfl related i'm missing because we still have to do our bowl pick them and we're gonna have to fire through that no no that's uh we got we covered brock purdy covered the injury news uh yeah no i think we're good we will transition a little college football with the first bowl game folks coming up here on the 16th it's time for the most official of the most official the only official of the officialist college football bowl preview you're ever going to get here on down and out so first one up here ev we're going to 16th. We are going to rifle through all of them folks. Yeah. Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl. I was kind of hoping that the the University of Buffalo Bulls were going to be in this one so I could convince my boss to let me travel to the Bahamas. But you know what? We couldn't cuz the Bills play in primetime on Saturday anyway. So Miami of Ohio versus UAB. I, I this is I think your your way of picking these bowl games were very very funny and I love that you know it's like as you said it's March Madness it's like who who do we believe? have a connection of any kind to yeah. really so I'll, I'll let you kick this one off Ab. Miami of Ohio versus UAB what is the Evan Ryer connection to this game well shocker I mean I'm going I'm going Blazers uh, UAB for for life um, uh, I'm actually in Birmingham Alabama right the f now. Um, so, uh, yeah, going with the Blazers, um, they, uh, you know, it's funny, they probably should have had a better season than they did, but, uh, I forget his name, but their coach, uh, didn't do a great job. Dom, you know who's leading the UAB Blazers in this game? Ooh. You know who, who their head coach is? Mm, hit it with me. It's Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Oh baby, what Trent Trent Dilfer was hired as the head coach of UAB and uh, and will be leading them in this game. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you don't go with the uh, the 2001 or 2002 Super Bowl champ. I love a, I love a head coach that could also be the color analyst for his own game going on right now. Like he oh, could he's just gonna, pull- yeah, he's gonna do side by side. So I, I'm, I also, because my connection to UAB is because my good friend Evan Ryer has spent a lot of time in Birmingham, Alabama, and, and that's why I'm, I'm going to go UAB, because I've also seen Miami of Ohio uh, this year beat the, beat the UB Bulls, and I would like somebody to get some revenge on them. So I'm going UAB as well. So we go to the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl, UTSA versus Troy. I'll kick this one off, Ed, because I have a connection. I covered two kids in Bainbridge, Georgia, who are two of the best football players I ever got to talk to and got to watch shout out the Bainbridge Bearcats they both now play for Troy who is ranked 24th in the country love to see them go on this climb with Troy and the Sun Belt Conference so I'm going to take the Troy Trojans in this one yeah I got to stick to the Alabama roots I'm also going with Troy uh Troy Alabama is a uh, a pretty hilariously bad place, um, but uh, but uh, but we go for the Trojans. Uh, we, we we fight for the Trojans. You know, what I love the most about Troy is, uh, and I get this a lot when I was driving. Uh, I remember seeing this for the first time driving up to Tuscaloosa to spend that Thanksgiving time with you and your family. Was the the Troy cable billboards with the yes. guys with the red eyes? Like they're everywhere. Yeah. Like they're from from Dothan through Troy up to Tuscaloosa. I felt like I just saw a, a, a Troy cable network with the red terminator eyes at almost every single stoplight it is really easy to lose your lust for life when you drive from dothan to troy uh, dothan to troy that stretch is 
it's as about as harsh as it gets. And I will say, I love me some Roadrunners. I really wish Troy wasn't playing the Roadrunners because I would love to pick them in a different game. But uh, uh, if detergents are up, I'm going to stick with them. Um, next, uh, uh, we're on December 17th now. Uh, Cincinnati taking on Louisville in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm going with the Bearcats. I know Luke Fickle is gone, uh, but I'm going to uh, I'm gonna stick with them because I just think that they're a uh, an all-around better team than Louisville. Yeah, for the opposite reason, I'm going to take Louisville because Fickle's gone. I feel like so, you know, you're just going to get some Cincinnati Bearcat guys who maybe are trying to hit the transfer portal, want to keep themselves healthy, decide, hey, I don't want to play. Louisville, you know, they're going through a coaching change. They now have uh, what's uh, the Scott Sat? Is it is it Satter Satterfield? Did Louisville? Yeah, hire, Scott right? Satterfield. Scott yeah. Satterfield. Great yeah, hire in their part. Yeah, so uh, you know that that is what it is. I'll take I'll take the cards here and I'll I'll roll with Louisville. So uh, next one up the. Beautiful HBCU Bowl. That is the Cricket Celebration Bowl. For those that don't know what that is, that is a bowl game, but that is the Black College Football Championship every year that's played. And Jackson State, once again, playing against North Carolina Central. Last year, Jackson State lost to South Carolina State, which was hilarious to watch Jackson State roll through the swack and then lose to SCSU. But now they have NCCU versus Jackson State. I – listen, no Dion. Or no, Dion. I think Dion's gonna finish with Jackson State, right? So yeah, Dion will still be is. there. Okay, you know what? Fuck it. Give me the Tigers. Go Jackson State. I love Dion. Give me Jackson State. I'll take them. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I thought long and hard about that. I'm Giggity. going to give. Said. I'm going to give Jackson State their second consecutive Celebration Bowl loss. Ooh, uh, I was thinking I, it gonna, too, though. That's, I don't think that's that bad. I have no idea about NCC. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know them from Adam, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that everyone at Jackson State, including Dion, is pretty checked out. Um, you know, they're going to accidentally show up in their Colorado gear. Um, and, uh, and so. I oh, you know, they are. The, the, the pay raise they got to go to a Big 12 <laughs> or a, 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 a big, yeah. a Power 5, Pac 12 school. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> Go Eagles, uh, uh, same day, uh, SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. The Florida Gators uh, will be taking on Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State's being uh, heavily uh, picked on uh, ESPN right now. Um, and understandably so, they're 9-3 versus Florida's 6-6. Six six. I am going with the Gators. Mm. I think Billy Napier is going, uh, going, going to have his team fired up for this. I also know... A few uh, Florida family members and friends who have uh, decided to make a last-second, spur-of-the-moment trip to Las Vegas, because why not? Um, and uh, and so I'm going to believe in the uh, the traveling Gator crowd, uh, Gators on top. I mean, we're going to Sin City, Ev. I mean, you gamble. You take risk in Vegas, because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No one's ever going to talk about the fact that Billy Napier won an SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl against the Oregon State Beavers, because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I'll remember it, Billy. I'm also going to take the Gators, because Billy can Napier, baby. Let's roll. Go Gators. Love it. Um, Then uh, the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Uh, that's uh, that's also on that. Uh, uh, cannot wait for the, cannot wait for the pinstripe bowl to be called the the Jimmy Fallon New Era pinstripe bowl next year. Just just so we can yeah. level out the Jimmys and late night television. I, uh, I I'm going to base this one off. I'll oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you go with this one. You introduce no, no, it. No no no. 
Oh, no, it's uh, it's fine. I, it's just going to be, uh, I can't wait to see what half-ass uh, uh, thing they try to do to get Jimmy Kimmel involved. But um, Washington State taking on Fresno State. Fresno State's 9-4, and four, Washington State's 7-5. and five. I, uh, I'm going to believe in the big conference bias here. I've got Wazoo uh, pulling it out over Fresno. See, I always base this game because Jimmy Kimmel will bring both of the teams, not at the same time, but like at one, like at one point it will be Washington State as his studio audience and Fresno State will be their uh, studio audience. I also like Wazoo until I realized that from Fresno to LA is like a two and a half hour drive. Bulldogs are, uh, you know, they're, they're coming off a team where they lose Kalen DeBoer and he goes up to Washington, takes our good friend Chucky Morrell up there with him. So it's been a, a fresh coaching change for Fresno State. Uh, I, I like the fact that they're a little bit closer. It's a bus trip, not an airplane ride. I'll take Fresno State in this one. Okay. Well, I all right, Dom. I've got an idea. I'm gonna do a lightning round for the next like six games because I love it. Probably the the least uh, important ones of, of come on. Schedule. Don't tell me Marshall Yukon is not that important to you. <laughs> well, we'll get to it in a second. Lending Tree Bowl, Rice, Southern Miss. Who you got? Rice because I eat it a lot. Okay, Southern Miss for me. New Mexico Bowl, SMU versus BYU. Who you got? BYU, baby, go Cougs. I'm also sticking with the Cougs. Frisco Bowl, North Texas Mean Green versus Boise State. Who you got? Mm. Give me North Texas. Give me North Texas. I love them. Wow, the the big upset. I'm sticking with Boise State. I think the Broncos get it done. Myrtle Beach Bowl, uh, Marshall versus UConn. There it is, Don, the the game of the century. I got to go with the Thundering Herd. Who do you got? Yeah, I, I I think about Matthew McConaughey a lot when I think of Marshall. I think of the great movie that is. Uh, Sorry, sorry, UConn. I'm going to also go with Marshall. Unfortunate, but, you know, we got to, you know, respect to UConn for getting in a bowl game, period. Um, Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, who you got? Eastern Michigan versus San Jose State. I'm going with San Jose State. I don't believe in any team that plays in the MAC that's not not Toledo or UB. So give me San Jose State. We haven't even gotten to my favorite MAC team, but I am going with the MAC here. I got Eastern Michigan winning this. Uh, The uh, Boca Raton Bowl, Liberty without Hugh Freeze uh, facing Toledo. Uh, I'm going with the Rockets because I'm anti-Liberty all the way. Yeah, big, big Toledo Rocket guy. Love their, love their coach. He's a good guy. Uh, You know, he's he's a fiery guy. See the way the you know they play for him. Power to the MAC. I got to get a MAC team in there somewhere. So I'll take Toledo. They typically do weird. Weirdly enough, they typically either do great or terrible in bowl games. They're all or nothing. I just, I just love the fact that we're like, there's like three or four MAC teams that are in this. I, I love that for that conference. Oh yeah, and we're not done yet either. But uh, New far Orleans, from done. New Orleans Bowl, uh, South Alabama versus Western Kentucky. Got to stick with my Alabama roots. I got the Jaguars. I'll just uh, Western Kentucky is the only one I can have any sort of relevance. So I'll, I'll take the the Hilltoppers. Word Armed Forces Bowl Baylor uh, recovering from a pretty rough uh, ba- uh, season after last year, um, and then uh, Air Force is nine and three. But all the money seems to be on Baylor. Who you got? I'll, I I hate to disrespect the troops, but it just feels like a whomping from Baylor coming up. So I'm going to take the Bears. I uh, actually love the troops, so I'm going with the uh, Air Force. Good for uh, you, but, Patriotic Ryer. Uh, Radiance Technologies, Independence Bowl, Shreveport, Louisiana. Louisiana's hosting or, uh, Houston. Uh, two teams really close by, honestly. So um, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Houston. 
Uh, dumbest name to have on a trophy, Radiance Technology. I, I don't I don't like that at all. So I don't think any nobody. Team, <laughs> I don't think anybody's gonna like that. But I I'll I'll, I'll go uh, Houston here too. I think they're the better team. Uh, one of the all-time great uh, uh, bowl names is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, now that that should be on. Like, I want a Gasparilla Bowl. How do I get into Gasparilla Bowl? Same. Uh, Wake Forest takes on Mizzou. I'm going with the Demon Deacons. Uh, I don't even know if their quarterback Sam Hartman's going to play, but uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, stick with them either way. Yeah, Missouri's done a lot of really funky things this year. I know they gave Georgia a run for their money. It, it, it feels like, oh yeah, SEC, SEC. Nah, I, I like the Demon Deeks here too. I'll take Wake Forest. Easy post Hawaii Bowl. Uh, San Diego State gets to host uh, Middle Tennessee. Uh, I'm gonna stick with the Aztecs because uh, they got a nicer flight. Yeah, uh, I that literally the exact the exact same reason. Uh, yep that uh, that that trip for Middle Tennessee will be tough. The Quick Lane Bowl, New Mexico State uh, taking on my favorite MAC team, Bowling Green. Uh, I, of course, I'm going with the Falcons. I think they're about to tear it up against the Aggies. Now, see, I'm going New Mexico State because their logo is a floating head of, a, of, a, of a, a, a New Mexican cowboy with a mustache, and I like that. I like that a lot, so I'm going to go New Mexico State for that sole reason. Uh, that's lame. Um, uh, Camellia, <laughs> Camellia Bowl, uh, that, is, uh, uh, that, that one takes place in Alabama, but it doesn't feature Alabama teams this year because the Buffalo Bulls are taking on Georgia Southern. Dom, I'm imagining there's only one choice for you. Yeah, it's Georgia Southern. Psych! Yeah, I yeah, lied! It's like Buffalo! <laughs> well, you joke, but I am seriously taking Georgia Southern because... Uh, no, I, I, uh, I want to take Georgia Southern, but it would be so wrong of me not to go with the Bulls. Understandable. Uh, Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, uh, Memphis versus Utah State. Uh, I'm going to go with the Tigers because I've at least seen a little bit of Memphis this year. I've not seen Utah State play football. I'll be different and just take Utah State because I just couldn't tell you a lot about either of these teams. The Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl uh, here in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, is uh, featuring two of uh, Carolina's, the Carolina uh, State's, you know, greatest group of five teams, East Carolina versus Coastal Carolina. I'm going with the Chanticleers because, I mean, you got to just, you got to love the teal and black. Yeah, I, it's for for that sole reason, and again because I can actually think of like some success I've seen Coastal Carolina have this year. Shout out to the state of Alabama for being like, listen, give us all your bowl games. We're gonna host four bowl games every year. I, yeah, it's actually nuts. I actually love that for the state of Alabama. Good for that governor spurring the economy, getting college football. Oh yeah, I'm taking uh, Coastal Carolina as well. Well, I will say uh, brief adjourn. You say that, but nobody wants to come to Alabama for bowl season. Uh, it absolutely sucks. Oh, it's sad. Sad. Yeah, and, and and nobody goes to the games either. It's it's hilarious when you go to a Birmingham bowl game and there's like ten people there. It's it's really funny. But well, they're uh, getting ready to watch the, what the uh, the the XFL team that's in Birmingham. Yep, uh, that is uh, uh, the uh, that is coming back, I believe. But uh, as we continue on, guaranteed rate bowl. Oklahoma State uh, kind of collapsed midway through the season. They're hosting Wisconsin. I think Oklahoma State is, you know, a few games away from being like a Big 12 champ. So I'm actually thinking that they're going to put it on Wisconsin, uh, despite Luke Fickle uh, being on the staff. I think Fickle being on the staff with Wisconsin makes no difference at this point because he's so new. And I, I like I think Oklahoma State. I agree with you. I think they're a very good team. I, I think they're they're some unfortunacies away from probably playing in a similar January type bowl. So I'll take the Cowboys here too. 
And then the military bowl, uh, Duke versus UCF. UCF, I know, is the better team, but let's go Blue Devils just for the sake of Duke football. I hate Duke. I hate everything about Duke, so I'm going to take UCF in a game that I honestly just will. I, 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 if this is on, I'm not watching it. I don't care. I'm not going to. I could care less. Next, we've got the Liberty Bowl, um, Arkansas taking on Kansas. Um, This is an interesting one, too, because both these teams had incredible starts to the season, and then now they are both 6-6. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Pittman in Arkansas, but but, uh, I think that's just because, uh, what's his name, the Kansas quarterback uh, got got hurt earlier in the season and and won't be playing. Yeah, well, and I'm going to, as an LSU fan, I can't poll for Arkansas. So I got to go Kansas here. I'm going to take the Jayhawks. All right. We're starting to get into some more uh, uh, big name bowl games, such as the uh, San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Oh, my Uh, God. What? (laughs) The the SDCCUH Bowl. Yeah, just put a billion words in the bowl name and people remember it. Uh, Oregon plays North Carolina. This one's actually kind of fun. I think this will be a good one, but I am going to go with the Ducks because they are on the West Coast. Is this the first bowl game that, to your knowledge, has ever been played at Petco? Um, have they have they ever played a bowl game at Petco? I think I've never. Just, I think it's probably the first one. I can't imagine that they've ever done it. I I kind of I'm not the biggest fan of people playing football games in baseball, baseball stadiums games. until it's a bowl game or it's like the Cordica Jug where it's at Yankee Stadium. It's a big thing. Um, I. <sighs> I mean, the, the the Ducks just lost their offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, who's now the head coach at uh, Arizona State, which I think is a stupid decision. I don't think Kenny Dillingham is that good of a coach. Um, he'll hear this, and he'll shout me out, and he'll be upset. Whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll take North Carolina because, again, I'm, I don't believe in the Ducks in this situation. You get, so I'll, I'll take the Tar Heels. Yeah, well, uh, I am uh, I am going with the Ducks, like I said. Uh, uh, the Tax Texas Bowl, the Red Raiders of Texas Tech uh, will be playing Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. I mean, we got to go with Lane, right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're a Lane Kiffin pro podcast. There's there's no other. There's no question. Absolutely. And you know, we've alluded to the Pinstripe Bowl basically every episode for the past two or three weeks. But the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, Syracuse taking on Minnesota. We know Minnesota is probably the better team, but Dom, we have to go for our Orange uh, when they're in New York. You know what? It's it's the hometown thing. I've been hating on them all season, Nev. It's time for me to show some solidarity because hey, guess what? It's real quick side tangent. Syracuse University soccer school, baby, soccer school. They did just win national champion soccer they just school. Win. So. Yeah, give me the orange. Uh, fuck, fuck PJ Fleck or whatever he is in Minnesota. Give me the, give me the orange. Next, the Cheese It Bowl, uh, Florida State. Another connection for Dom hosting, uh, technically hosting uh, Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I mean Florida State nine and three, Oklahoma six and six. I, I feel like this is kind of a run of the mill. Got to go with the Seminoles. Yeah, it, it's, it's so clearly FSU. But I'll tell you what, for a team that's poised to be like one of the best in the ACC and maybe has a chance to win the ACC next year, it would be such a slap in the face that they lose because Oklahoma is not better than them this year. They no, just, they aren't. So I'll, I I take Florida State, but I take that with very with some hesitancy because my heart wants to pick Florida State, but my mind's like, mm, stop it, take Oklahoma. You know, Florida State blows this one. I don't know, but I'll take I'll take the Nulls. 
true that uh we go to texas for the alamo bowl uh where the texas longhorns will be playing the washington huskies in another really fun looking matchup um i am uh i feel like washington has been really disrespected this year just no one has paid attention to them despite them being 10 and 2 so i think they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder and beat texas i'm always going to pay attention to washington because i alluded to it earlier talking about fresno state our boy chuck morell is on that staff assistant defensive coordinator safeties coach I'll take the Huskies. Uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, uh, which you know always has the best off-field uh, uh, celebrations with the Mayo Pool and everything else. Uh, NC State uh, hosting Maryland, which you know, Dom, uh, if you get me drunk enough, uh, you would have convinced me that this was a ACC conference game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a part of me that's like, yeah, Maryland's in the ACC. Yeah, uh, they play Syracuse uh, every year. Yeah, Come on. Um, but uh, uh, so um, Maryland versus NC State. Uh, I'm going to go with the Wolfpack uh, uh, just because I've always uh, kind of had a soft spot for them. Yeah, I, I don't think Maryland's that good. I don't know. How, like they, I've seen them play very, very bad this year. I'll take NC State too just because. Well, in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, we have two other types of big, large dog, cat, animals. Um Panthers versus Bruins as Pittsburgh and UCLA take take the uh, field. Uh, I got to go with UCLA and Chip Kelly here. They've uh, they've had a very good season and and uh, I think uh, I think they're probably you know going to be better prepared for this one than Pittsburgh. Well, I believe a Bruin is a type of bear. So in the wild, yes, a bear versus a panther. I'm always going to take a bear. You know, sorry, Pips. Yeah. I also will go UCLA on this one as well. Dom, we head on down to beautiful TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida for the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, everyone's favorite stadium. Um, South Carolina taking on Notre Dame. Um, I might go to this game. Uh, that's going to be that's gonna be a hey, fun one. Hey, fuck, um, around, fuck around, find out. Shane Beamer season, baby. Yeah, I'm going to go get day drunk and watch the Gamecocks beat Notre Dame. I think, uh, I think it's Beamer Bowl. Uh, uh, till we die, and uh, I think I think they get the W. Yeah, Beamer's hot right now. I'm all about Beamer. I get, just feed me the Beamer. This guy's on fire. When he beat Clemson, I almost became a South Carolina fan real quick for about 30 seconds. So I'll take South Carolina too. They've come such a long way. You have to kind of you know clap your hands. Barstool Sports sponsors a bowl game now. Arizona Bowl, uh, Ohio taking on Wyoming. Uh, I'm going with uh, you know the majority of people are picking the Bobcats, but you know I uh, I gotta go with our Cowboys out west. You know uh, Wyoming's the closest thing we got to a Montana team in a bowl game. So yeah, uh, that's that's no question either. And as as the alum for you know Bills quarterback Josh Allen, it's no question for me either. It's gonna be the Cowboys. Go Wyoming. Capital One Orange Bowl. My or uh, Clemson, it's in Miami, but Clemson versus Tennessee. Um, I'm uh, not sure if Endron Hooker is going to play in this game. I can't remember if I saw news about that or not. Um, but we do know that DJ Ugalele is not playing for Clemson. So I, uh, I'm i actually going to pick them because DJ is not yep. playing. Yep, uh, yep, because that's right. What, that's, that is the correct pick. You have done, you are correct. That is correct. I forget I forget the backup quarterback's name, but he had that absolutely insane performance uh, in the Syracuse. ACC. And yeah, he so. came back and won when DJ got knocked out, or, they, or Dabo took – DJ out of the Syracuse game, the backup came in and just rifled in an, uh, an epic performance. So I will take Clemson there too. 
Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, at the All-State Sugar Bowl, Alabama uh, plays Kansas State. Um, you know, obviously, I'm taking Alabama. A lot of people are taking Alabama, but I really... I'm really expecting a close game. I really think Kansas State's going to give Alabama a game. Kansas State's hot. I'm riding with the Wildcats because I just, as much as I want to say Alabama's the best team, we're agreeing on a lot of things. I got to be a little bit different here. So I'm going to take K-State because this team's feeling it right now. Music City Bowl. Uh, one of the first bowl games I ever went to in my life was a Music City Bowl game. Uh, is it always watched- in Nashville? Yes, That's it's always taller. been in Nashville. Um, I watched Alabama lose to Minnesota. Uh, and uh, But this year we've got Iowa and Kentucky taking to the Music, music City. Uh, I am going with Iowa because I think Kentucky is just had such a fart to end the season. <laughs> and uh, Will Levis is not playing in the game either. So, uh, yeah, go, uh, go Hawkeyes. Because the under can't be low enough in this game, I know Iowa's defense is going to slam the door shut. I also am going to go Hawkeyes in support of solidarity with our good friend Jordan Hansen as well. So, and we come to the college football semifinal game, college football playoff semifinal games uh, on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, TCU, Michigan, Don. So this one, we kind of already broke this down a little bit, but I'm taking TCU. I'm going to take TCU in this one. I just I feel like they're, they're the team that can best beat Georgia. They're a team who now has a little bit. They got their loss out of the way. They're going to go look at this Michigan team who, if you remember, got absolutely schlacked. I think Michigan is the better team on paper, but Michigan hasn't proved to me that they can win these big stage games like they you know, like they kind of crumpled in last year. So I'm going to take TCU. Yeah, I got uh, Michigan laying a turd on offense and uh, TCU winning as well. Um, and then uh, uh, on the other end, Ohio State, Georgia, I think we both agree that Georgia should be winning this game yep. uh, considerably. Uh, we're not technically doable games because we've got that slate after uh, uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, the Realia Quest Bowl, Relia Quest Bowl, I've never heard of Relia Quest, um, Mississippi State versus Illinois. Dom, we have to pick Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm. It's how how do you not? I, honestly, if you're Illinois, I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry yeah. if you're Illinois. Like that you didn't. That's nothing they did to have to play in the bowl game where you know following the passing of Mike Leach. Like Illinois didn't do that to themselves. But the, everything is just saying Mississippi State wins, and probably what's honestly going to be very emotional. Let's just keep it real. It's going to be an emotional ass game for Mississippi State. I love yeah. I love them in this. Yeah, uh, I guess we can go ahead and take a moment to say, yeah, really, really awful um, that Mike Leach has has passed away uh, due to a heart attack he suffered at home uh, this week. And, um, I mean, he was just 61. He's one of the, you know, just the most likable, funniest, coolest coaches in college football history. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, hard to imagine a scenario where Mississippi State isn't going to unleash the dogs of hell um in that game because uh uh yeah um so our thoughts go out to everybody uh in uh in starkville and everyone in the leach family um it's it's really just terrible um but uh as we move on uh we've got what may be my favorite bowl matchup of the entire schedule cotton bowl Tulane USC such an awesome matchup such a cool like Tulane versus USC is a is a cotton bowl matchup it's just it feels like it's 1943 all over again um and uh and uh you know I, I mean I've got to do it just for the the mascot it's the greatest mascot in college football Tulane uh Tulane gets the W over USC in uh in Fort Worth uh is, is Caleb Williams playing do I don't know? think so 
I don't think so. Yeah, so the Heisman's he's not gonna play. Mm. Fuck it. I Give me Tulane. Give me Tulane. Why am I even debating this? Give me the green wave. I we have Tulane. to. I've I've never wanted Tulane to win a game more. Um, uh, that is just. I I am so stoked for them, and I really hope they pull that off. Uh, but. On the same day, uh, Dom's LSU Tigers take on uh, Purdue. Um, uh, you know, both teams are the are their respective conference runner-ups. Uh, uh, but uh, I think I think LSU uh, probably wipes the floor with Purdue in this one. Yeah, I would say the same too. It'd be a great way for for Brian Kelly to you know put end this season on a positive note and I think a lot of people are going to be pretty pleasantly happy if he comes away with a good bowl win here um, I don't think a loss necessarily is detrimental but it's definitely like it, it's going to sour your, your your palate a little bit Brian Kelly next year you're going to have to win over the fans yet again but uh, yeah I, I think LSU is a better team they should roll and let's just hope they do um, and then the final bowl game of the year before the national championship is the Rose Bowl, of course. Uh, Utah State, or I mean, wow, Utah State. The Utah Utes versus Penn State. Um, you know, it's funny. Penn State's 10-2. and two. The Big Ten is, you know, arguably the second most watched conference in college football. But I feel like I barely looked at Penn State this year. I feel like I barely even acknowledged their existence, whereas I've watched way more Utah football. I'm going with the Utes. I know they play tough defense. I know they've got an offense that can score. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, with the, the boys from Utah. Utah has been, I believe, in the last two or three Rose Bowl matchups I was seeing. Like the, the Utah Utes just love them and the Wisconsin Badgers love Rose Bowl games. They love to play in the Rose Bowl. I think the familiarity is there for Utah. I love their history in the Rose Bowl. Penn State, as you mentioned, it's like, okay, they're good, but like clearly they weren't Michigan or Ohio State because they weren't who we were paying attention to. I want to try to be indifferent, folks. I don't want me and Evan to always have the same opinion here, but like it's just it's Utah. Got to go. Got to go. The Utes. I don't believe in Penn State enough on this stage against Utah. So I'll take the Utes, and uh, that is that. That is our entire slate, Mr. Ryer. My God, that's a lot of bowl games. Yeah, I've got to love when uh, you know over half of uh, FBS college football is playing uh, in December. Um, Dom, let's go to the cash grab so that we can still. I mean, folks, we still have to talk about uh, uh, the World Cup and uh, some major baseball news. So uh, we still got a lot to 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 go. You're getting a chunky, a girthy episode here of Down and Out, and maybe thick, thick with three C's, and maybe one day, maybe one day, we'll have the Down and Out Bowl featuring. God willing. Yeah, a MAC team and a Sun Belt team. We only the only teams that can play in the Down and Out Bowl are teams that did not win uh, this season. They have to be. You have to be zero and twelve. Or I'm just saying, just anybody who did not. So it's like we we somehow are able to get Texas A and M because they just suck this year. It's like, oh yeah, we got Texas A and M in the Down and Out Bowl. Unbelievable, Jimbo Fisher. That would be fantastic. Uh, it one would day, be very, very nice. We'll dream, we'll hope. Until then, we'll send it to the cash grab, folks. When we come back, World Cup, MLB, and more. Stick with us. You're listening to Down and Out. 
Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down Out Underway. We begin with the World Cup talk because since we've last talked, the quarterfinals are complete. And I got to say, if you're a bench borderline soccer fan like I am who just kind of goes for the big storylines in the moments, these big these big stages like the World Cup, how are you to quote the I believe this movie Gladiator? How are you not entertained? How did you not watch that quarterfinal and go, that was some good soccer? Holy shit, that was fun. You had how many penalty kicks? Two games with penalty kicks, Ev, right? And then you had yep. a one-goal differential in each of the other games. And quite frankly, I, I, I think we probably should uh, start with England-France. That game probably should have went to penalty kicks. Yeah, I mean, it really – the thing is is that England kind of blew it. Um, and more, they, they, more specifically, Harry Kane. Well, yeah, it really sucks, man. Because, like, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think Harry Kane needs a lot of people to cape for him. We're talking about a guy who has been, you know, one of the top three strikers in the world for the past half decade. He makes millions and millions of dollars every year. You know, he'll be okay. But it just goes to show that you can make one little mistake, and. You know, because he put an absolute dinger of a penalty in, uh, in the 54th minute penalty that he got. He, I mean, put a, just a beautiful, I mean, just unsavable. And then he kind of goes for the same thing and skies it. And it just, it's an inch, right? It can be an inch that is the termination of a successful penalty and not, um, and yeah, so France gets the two-one victory. Um, Olivier Giroud becomes France's all-time uh, top scorer in the process. Which talking about an unsung hero for that nation, um, that dude has spent a lot of years being considered to be a second-rate striker or somebody who shouldn't be playing. Well, you know, time and time again, he's kind of proved himself. Uh, he did it again uh, against England. And, yeah, football's not coming home this year. Um, you know, it's interesting seeing the reaction from England fans. There's a lot of them that, you know, they're very sad and they're, you know, some are mad at Harry Kane. But, you know, it's kind of like if Tom Brady throws a pick in the Super Bowl or, you know, or the years that he's lost the Super Bowl, it's like, you know, when he's made a mistake, you can't just say, well, Tom Brady, you ruined everything. You know, it's just like, you know, we, we played a pretty good game. We came pretty close. And even France, uh, their head coach, Dia Deschamps, uh, he mentioned that, uh, uh, that, you know, France was lucky. I mean, France really, you know, was uh, fortunate to walk away because I will say, too, I mean, their first goal in that game, Dom, I know you must have seen it, the long-range the long range strike mm-hmm. uh, from Chouamini. I mean, that is... 
that is like the kind of strike that's not just great skill, but that takes a lot of luck to 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 kind of turn without looking at the goal and just fire and find the corner of the the net. I mean, that's you know you you can try that ten times and you probably only pulled off once. Well, that that was so. that was my whole thing. I said it. We were watching it in the office. I literally said I was like, listen, I'm sure this guy, being that he's on the Francis World Cup team, is an incredibly skilled player. I didn't know much about him, obviously, but yeah. I was like, that is ninety five percent luck to be able to do like just the, I mean the trajectory the way the placement the location everything of where I mean it was just as you say it was unsavable those are yeah. the, those are those are like when you're playing against your like a buddy who's really cracked at FIFA who just fucking dominates yeah, that's what fires. it felt like it was you know well, get ready for uh, Chouamini to be a name you see a lot over the next decade uh, because he's 22, joined Real Madrid a year ago for like $100 million, um, and uh, is going to be a star uh, if that if that goal wasn't any indicator. Um, you know, uh, that was a big deal. Uh, as you mentioned, Dom, we did have two games with penalties, uh, Croatia and Brazil, uh, with an absolute barn burner that was 0-0 at full time. And then you get Neymar scoring a worldie, like a beautiful goal, uh, uh, just before the halftime of extra time, the 15-minute split. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Croatia in the 117th minute gets a goal to keep their dreams alive, and they beat Brazil on penalties. Brazil um, just cannot. Oh my God, heartbreak, heartbreak yeah, after heartbreak think, for Brazil. I almost, I kind of feel bad. I don't even. I do feel bad. Feel it's, for uh, it's it's been since 2002 uh, since uh, uh, Brazil has won the World Cup, which you know they've won it a bunch of times. You know it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, big deal. But I mean, this is every year they're pretty much the favorites, and the past two decades have been pretty disappointing in that regard. Uh, you got to feel for Neymar too, because Neymar played really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, faced a lot of criticism this World Cup, battled through injury. I'm not the biggest Neymar guy, but I have a lot of respect for what he. And this may this be. Cup. I mean, he hasn't said he's playing in the next World Cup. You know, he doesn't he know should, if he'll be back. He should still be able to. Uh, he he'll be, uh, I think, thirty three or thirty four around that time. So um, he he will be that. It, you know, I think I think he'll get on the squad. He may not be a starter though. That's the thing is that we may now this may be the last of Neymar in his prime. Um, you have to feel for him too because Brazil took a little bit of a gamble. Sometimes you take you put your best penalty taker in the fifth spot so that if they have the penalty to either stay alive or win the game, you want your you know your best penalty taker in that situation. But if your guys miss or get their penalties saved, the number five spot may never come up. That's what happened to Neymar. He didn't even get to take a penalty uh, because they tried to save him for the last uh, p- penalty taker, um, and Croatia beat them before four uh, uh, two before Neymar ever got a chance. So, um, and then meanwhile, Argentina escapes. I mean, wow, uh, Argentina's up two zero. You know, it's you're thinking, okay, they've got Netherlands. You know, they they've done it. Messi's got you know just buried a penalty. It's over. Valt Veghorst, one of the best names in in the World Cup. Uh, Valt Veghorst. Comes in with two goals in 20 minutes. They score in the night in the 101st minute, the very last kick of the regular time. Uh, they then go to extra time. Neither team can score, and then on penalties, Argentina gets away with a uh, with blowing a two goal lead. Um, Wow, just uh, unbelievable for them. That's kind of that kind of goes to show, though. Brazil and Argentina are similar in that way. Both huge favorites. Both came to you know basically a spot kick away from being eliminated. One team escapes. That, so, but but uh, a, a messy legacy game, though, for sure. I mean, if oh, you yeah. if you want to have that conversation where it's like, yo, who's the greatest of all time? Is it Ronaldo or Messi? It's like. 
Messi just did it again. You know, like Messi kind of proved he is that he is him. He is that guy. Yeah, it's interesting. They've kind of got, you know, these two different things where Ronaldo gets to claim that he scored at five different World Cups. Messi will never do that because this will be his last one. Um, but Ronaldo has never scored in the knockout stages. He's only scored in the group stages. Messi has scored in three different World Cups knockout stages. Um, so uh, that goes to say something. And even better than scoring the penalty, you know, the penalty is well taken, whatever. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch again the pass to Molina for Argentina's first oh, goal. Oh, it's beautiful. Abs- absolutely crazy i mean how much weight he's able to the, the way he's able to stop a ball it's it's nuts um and then the last game we get to talk about is uh, uh morocco versus portugal which the moroccan cinderella story continues um i tried to tell y'all uh that this team is you've been here you've been here since the group since our preview talking about morocco so you know you know t- t- take some credit shout, shout shout you out on twitter just shout yeah, your own self I, out. I, 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 you know, I never necessarily anticipated a semifinal run for Morocco, but, but uh, they've done that. They are just a very, very inspiring team. Like I said, this isn't a team that doesn't. Let's not act like that. These are just a bunch of you know shoemakers and lawyers like out on the pitch like figuring this out. No, these are all very, very talented players. I said that last week, but still a uh, a dream run, and they become the first African team to reach the semifinals ever. Um, we are recording this right before Argentina and Croatia set the play which hey you know it's hard to think about it like this but Croatia is still basically a Cinderella story too despite them being the finalists in 2018 um this is just a special generation um a special group uh for Croatia because they've never had anything like this they've never been at this level um and uh on the back of Luka Modric who still just man still playing for Real Madrid still throwing dimes still mm-hmm. still just an absolute beast um it's i think it's always uh, crazy when you think about like the croatia brazil game though too it's like you know you go so long like you, you know you go 108 seven minutes before a goal scored right because that's i think that's when neymar hit his and then you know you struggle you know for 110 plus minutes right to score a goal and then you know 115 minutes in then you're able to like get two goals within 10 minutes you know it's 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 crazy how soccer kind of works like that you know it's like yeah. w- when you can put the pressure on a team it's like how do they respond and you know i i think there's a reason why you know argentina croatia are, are in the stages they are and they definitely have responded to the pressure i mean shit you can say that you say that about France and Morocco, most definitely, you know. So, but Argentina, Croatia are just like the glaring examples of that for me. It's like, okay, how do they respond to the pressure, the adversity? Well, there, there it is. It's textbook. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's. There is really not much separating wins and losses when you get to this stage, you know. I mean, when you get to a competition this big, when you're talking about talent this great, um, it it, it can be the smallest of details that separates teams. And the pressure is immense on anyone, you know. I mean, even if you're a Cinderella story, you really don't get to say, well, guys, the pressure is off because it's the goddamn World Cup. There's nothing bigger. There's not a bigger sporting event. There's not more uh, uh, to be expected out of uh, out of an athlete than, than uh, performing well at one of these events. And, yeah, uh, we'll see if Argentina can continue on. No matter what, Croatia's had another fantastic World Cup showing, but Argentina will always be World Cup trophy or bust. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is Messi's last go. So um, The storyline's yeah. there. 
yeah, the, we'll see if they do it. And then tomorrow, uh, uh, France takes on Morocco, uh, which has its own kind of interesting storyline. I mean, France is obviously defending champs. Morocco is the biggest Cinderella story of the tournament. But so much of Morocco and a lot of North African soccer's history is French. Like, a ton of players that play for the Morocco team grew up training in France, were born in France. That is where they, they speak French. Like that is, there's a deep, deep overlap in the heritage there. So that will be interesting in its own way as well. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think really if FIFA gets it their way, we'll have a France-Argentina final, you know, two of the greatest footballing countries ever. Um, but who knows, we could get a Croatia, Morocco, and then, you know, it's kind of, that's, that's when we really start having fun because someone who's never won a world cup is going to win one. And there's not, I mean, I, I really can't explain what that means to a soccer fanatic of that country. So, um, yeah, really exciting times, uh, pay attention today and tomorrow or really tomorrow. By the time you guys hear this, it's going to be, you know, the game today is going to be over, but, but, uh, enjoy it while you can, because we are coming to the finish um, Dom, where we're not finished is, uh, is baseball. In fact, we, I guess we're kind of in limbo, right? We haven't started. We haven't finished. We're in the middle of, of the off season. We are in uh, purgatory in terms of the MLB off season, but it, our difference is at least something happens in this, in this, uh, you know, this realm of purgatory because free agency, you know, it's, it's not going to cool off. It hasn't really been cooling off necessarily. It's, I, I would say, I would say it's taken a step back from our last episode where we're going after blockbuster after blockbuster tracking Aaron judge. But Evan, I mean, it's a great time. Topic. It's great to have you on this podcast because the Atlanta Braves said, hold my beer, it's time to break out the noise, and a three-team trade. Yeah, uh, Brewers, Athletics, uh, and the Braves all uh, swapped a bunch of players yesterday. Um, I'll, I'll mostly be talking from the Braves' perspective, um, uh, mostly because they probably had the biggest changes going on in their roster. Uh, they gave up uh, uh, Wild Bill, William Contreras, and uh, our, our third catcher, Manny Pena, as well as our number one uh, pitching prospect, Kyle Mueller, who Kyle Mueller actually had a couple starts this past season, did not go well for him. Um, but uh, he did uh, he did start to make the breakthrough. Um, and in return, uh, the, the, the key asset that they're getting back is Sean Murphy, um, you know, mostly known for having you know, the the greatest hit-by-pitch ever uh, this past season when he got pegged in the butt um, and everyone freaked out about how big his butt was and how hard the ball bounced off his butt. Um, so great to have an arsenal like that in our in – our, in our, <laughs> no, uh, but, but, that you know, Sean, That's fantastic. That was just textbook. Round of applause uh, so, so, no, but uh, Sean Murphy is a very, very good catcher who's got three years of arbitration left. Um, I – I think that the Braves basically just rounded out the lineup. You know, I mean, they still have to figure out shortstop if Dancy's coming back or doing whatever, but they now don't have really a weak link, I think, in that starting lineup. Because Sean Murphy, uh, I think he has like 37 homers over the past two years. You know, if he can get 20 home runs a season, that's great for a catcher. Uh, great, great hitting in general. Uh, and one of the best defensive catchers in the game. Um, I love Travis Darno. I'm happy that Travis Darno is still on the roster. Um, but uh, 
but I think that this is going to be a serious step up. This is going to be, you know, kind of the one area where they didn't have a a top level player. They now have that. Um, giving up Wilson William Contreras does stink. Um, uh, he had a phenomenal breakout season, um, and I uh, I hope you know the Braves don't end up regretting dealing him. But I do think that. Sean Murphy, if you ask me who would you rather have, Sean Murphy or William Contreras, I'd rather have Sean Murphy every day of the week. So. Yeah, I, my, my, only, my only counterpoint to play devil's advocate here is I, 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 as a guy who sees Sean Murphy play against his team more than anybody in the MLB, you know, as when he was with the A's, I know how good he is, and I know how much, you know, when you have to deal Contreras, it's like, okay, you need someone to come fill that void. Because here's the thing, too, you know, the the Braves, as you know this already, but I'm speaking for the general public who's listening right now, is the Braves are going to lose Dansby. Sorry, so you're going to lose a vital part of your infield. How do you kind of start rectifying it and making things better? Well, you upgrade a position that you were already pretty good at but now you upgrade and get Sean Murphy but my my counterpoint to that being is is I just feel like your prospects you take away a number one pitching prospect a whole bunch of different other guys that can come up in the system because the Braves have proven they're very good with their scouting their development and bringing up their young guys I I just I wish your GM took a little bit more a little bit more faith and maybe trying to see if you could gun it out and bring up your younger guys because it hasn't proved you wrong so to me it's almost like you ditched you ditched your fundamentals to go after a guy who is good but also is not anybody you're like oh my god like my jaw dropped to the floor because you 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 signed sean murphy so yeah i think part of their logic part of uh alex santopoulos's uh the the braves gm part of his logic is that you know you're 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 hoping that the A's aspect of this matters. That Sean Murphy has been good, but not great on the A's because he's on the A's. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, if you bring him to a roster where he's going to be batting in a lineup that he's not even going to be a focus. On the A's lineup, I mean, weirdly enough, he was a focus because he was one of the few good hitters they had. So the idea is that you've got a guy coming up before him. You know, if he's hitting in the seven or eight spot or something like that, you've got guys hitting before him and after him that are going to be able to kind of draw attention away and... And, uh, and, and allow him to do that and, you know, just hope that he handles business. Because, again, Travis Darno is a good defensive catcher. William Contreras would be the Braves catcher for the next decade if he could stop a ball to save his life. That is the number one thing with Contreras is that he is just a liability when he's behind the plate. And so... It just stinks because I do think that his ceiling, if he does get it together as a defender, his ceiling is higher than Sean Murphy's, but that's a big if. Um, And instead, the Braves are saying, you know what? We've got great hitting. We don't need to have like a guy who's really just a surprisingly good hitter for an eight spot. We'd rather have a a decent hitter with someone who can, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, make a lot of defensive plays. And, um, you know, he's going to be 29 in October. He's not a spring chicken, but I still think that you've got at least five or six good years ahead of him. Um, uh, it was kind of surprising because everyone expected this to uh, uh, to involve uh, uh, Willie Adamas from the Brewers. When everyone saw that the Brewers were involved, everyone was like, oh, well, shit. Willie Ad- the Braves need a shortstop, and Willie Adamas didn't have a good year in Milwaukee. He must be moving. 
not to be the case. Uh, Willie Adamas does not move, and neither does uh, Vaughn Grissom, the uh, rookie who had a breakout season for the Braves at short or short, you know shortstop, second base, or whatever right. this past year. So, yep. um, kind of interesting. A lot of people were definitely expecting that to be part of it, but the Braves still have to figure out what to do at shortstop. Um, well, and, and to be fair, let, let's just let's let's call what it is as an outsider who's not a Braves fan looking in this too. The Braves have also, while I said the argument about like I, I just I believe in in the system you guys have done to bring up some prospects and who you've brought into that system. That's why I don't want to see you guys start dealing away prospects. But to be fair, though, uh, the Braves have something that only two, you know, another team being the Houston Astros have done in the last two years, and that's win a World Series. So by all means, it's like, okay, you know what, though? I think Alex can take, Anthopolis can take those gambles because you have a World Series in your in your repertoire and within the last you know two years and and I think that that to me is going to be the ultimate sign of like okay hey we got to trust this because it has things like this have worked in the past why why would we not doubt the people who have helped bring us a World Series on a year where we didn't probably think we were going to win one so. I, I, yeah, I could be wrong. I'm just speaking as a spiteful Angels fan who hates watching all of our good prospects go when we pick up Albert Pujols and Josh Hamilton, and and I see everybody thrive in every other organization around the MLB when they could have been in you know in Halo Red. But that's just me. It's just it's interesting because the Braves had one area of the roster that they really could kind of quote unquote reach for, you know, reach to improve, and this could be a reach in the bad sense, but. I mean, I just I, I I feel for you, Dom, because it's and and it's weird. I've never really supported a team that has a GM like like the Braves have with Anthopolis. He is aggressive. He is smart. And when you sign all these long term deals for you know these young players that are insanely cheap, you know, like ten million dollar a year deals, you can say, okay, well, let's go try and you know you know take a risk here, take a risk there, because they've got so much of the lineup set. Uh, for the next decade, so um, kind of a kind of a, 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 an interesting move. We'll see if it ends up becoming like an all-star type move. Um, Dom, we've had a a, a lot of uh, different free agency deals and not a lot of trades outside of that, but a lot of different free agency deals uh, since then. Um, you know, you got to talk about uh, uh, you know since we last recorded, I think uh, Xander Bogarts and Trey Turner uh, both. Uh, both just uh, signed with two new teams. Trey Turner going to the Phillies on a massive deal. Yep. Uh, Xander Bogarts going to San Diego on a slightly less big deal. Um, going to be interesting to see how those set the tone for Dar- Dansby Swanson and Carlos Correa. Uh, they still don't have teams. Yeah, um, I, I love that move for for Trey. Trey to the um, uh, Trey to the Phillies. Love that move for them. Yeah, I mean, for the Phillies, that's you know the type of aggressive move you want to make after losing a World Series. And, I mean, we all know how good Trey Turner is in all facets of the game. Um, I am not pleased as a Braves fan. Uh, Brandon Nimmo uh, returns to the Mets on an eight-year deal, big old eight-year deal. Um, uh, and then um, uh, also one deal that I think is sneaky, sneaky good. I just wanted to bring it up real quick. Mitch Haniger. Uh, he he actually signed this deal before we recorded last week, but we didn't talk about it. Mitch Haniger, after having pretty much his best season in the MLB, 
uh, leaves the Mariners to go to the Giants. I think that is going to be a very that's like you know how they got Jock Peterson a year ago. Uh, Jock Jock is coming back by the way. I think that's going to be a very smart deal on their part. Mitch Haniger is a guy I like a lot, and I think uh, he'll be a, a good fit over there. Um, Dom, have the Angels done anything since we last recorded? I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like it. No, I think I touched on Estevez. We added uh, Carlos Estevez to the bullpen two years, $13.5 million. I mean, it, Estevez is a good name to pop up on there, but like, I just feel like when we bring in good relievers, they find out they're in the Angels' bullpen, and then they, they just all break down, combust, and suck. So, you know, I'll just, we'll have to wait and see there. But I, I, I like the trade because I think that's a, a pretty – it's a good name. It's a it's it's a slightly above average reliever that you know we got on a fairly I would say a, a money friendly contract. Uh, I I I hate to to say because I don't like him that much. Um, I believe Correa is still a free agent. I have heard rumblings that maybe the Angels would target Carlos Correa. Uh, That'd be one way to you yeah know, take a chance. Yeah, it would be. I, I I don't know how where he would move around. What that would mean for. Um, you know some of the other guys we have. I mean, obviously he would jump ship and become our starting shortstop, what have you not. But uh, yeah, I mean that, that there's rumblings there too. Um, I I I haven't I haven't really heard much else. I'm looking at the waiver wire now. We haven't really yeah. done anything other than shift some minor league guys around. So uh, we're 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 gonna play the patient game. Piss off Mike and and Shohei more, and probably don't make the playoffs again. Yeah, that's just sounds something. like a good plan. Um, I also the the other sneaky deal that I missed talking about that I wanted to show uh, talk about Mike Clevenger. You remember Mike Clevenger? Like oh two, yes, three this years? Uh, I actually it's funny you say that. I almost was gonna. I saw this on the. I was like, did we talk about Clevenger? I don't know if we did or not. So I'm glad you're bringing it up again. Remember two or three years ago when it seemed like no one in the world could hit Mike Clevenger. So this past year they did hit Mike Clevenger, and he may he may be past it, but. After one bad season in San Diego, he's he's on the move. He's going to uh, the White Sox. I think that that could be a career restoration year for sure. The White Sox need pitching, uh, which is crazy considering how good their pitching has been the past few years, but they have a lot of turnover. Um, and uh, I think that could be a sneaky, sneaky good deal, like mm-hmm. Giolito kind of deal, you know, like the Giolito revival in, 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 in Chicago. I think we could be seeing a similar thing, um, although Clevenger is a bit older at 32. Um, Dom, any other baseball uh, news? I mean, we kind of did a rapid fire there, but there was a lot to talk about. Um, uh, nope, I think that, that just oh, about covered. Chris covered Bassett it? to the Blue Jays. That's a big one. We got we got to you know Chris Bassett to the Blue Jays is a big one. That's uh that's gonna be uh, uh uh he's gonna be a big factor for them as they try and uh, uh repeat you know their 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 success from this past year. So well, you also got you know you gotta stay relevant with the Yankees because you just feel like the Yankees are poised to at least you know have some good yeah. regular season uh, success again like they did there too. So really, I mean any. It, 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 my only thing about any ALS AL East team right now is you know watching the Red Sox deal away. General, like first it was Mookie, now it's Xander Bogarts. It's like, you know, I I hope the Red Sox have a plan for whatever they're doing. I think they're punting on this season. Uh, I really do. Um, it just I I think last year was a punt, and then this year's year two of rebuild, and they may even have another one after that. Um, which is not what that team was expecting a couple years ago when they kind of, you know, they were thinking that their young guys like Tanner Houck were coming up in a big way and then mm-hmm. things have kind of fallen apart. So, um, yeah, I think uh, unfortunately for, uh, for for the boys in Boston, um, it's going to be a little while and this, this season may be one to forget. 
Sad, sad. Wish I w- wish I could have a little bit more more empathy towards them, but I don't. So you're fine. Uh, yeah, you'll get over it. So yeah, no. I think other than that, we we've crossed all of our T's, dotted all of our eyes. It's been a jam jam packed episode. Lots to get to. So thank you oh, all yeah. for sticking with us there too. And uh, I know Evan mentioned it earlier. Uh, we we meant to lead with it before we start talking about college football, uh, but obviously you know as. To echo what Evan said, we do obviously offer our, our, our condolences and prayers to Mike Leach, his family. It's 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 just it's very very sad. It's a very very tragic loss. It it was something honestly I, I didn't even know about until yesterday when I was like seeing oh, really? him when I was seeing him trend on Twitter. Honestly, yeah, I just my mind was not focused in, and I saw it yesterday, and people were like, you know, prayers for Mike Leach. I was like, uh oh, what's happening? You know, and it's just uh, it's sad, and uh, one of the better stories that I only have of him was uh, prior to his success at the Division One level, he was a D2 coach for the powerhouse that is Valdosta State in Georgia. And I used to talk to um, uh, Herb, Herb Renford, uh, the AD at Valdosta State, all the time about him. Uh, but he, Mike Leach was a really, really, I'm trying to say, he, he whatever community he came into, you know, and obviously as a football coach, you're going to come into a lot of communities. You're going to have to deal with a lot of different things. But he was a fixture in the South Georgia community. He did a lot of volunteer work. You know, he made sure that people felt welcome, felt uh, supported when he was on his staff. And, you know, there's a lot of high expectations when you're coaching football at any level in the city of Eldosta in Southern Georgia. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of really good conversations about him just talking offhand stuff because there's been a lot of great coaches who have come through Valdosta State. Mike Leach is one of the more notable ones and uh, Herb and I had some very funny conversations about him and you know th- those two really you know got along well and they would talk very frequently when they could to catch up. So uh, I-, I know you know the Valdosta State community is hurting today as are we and um, just uh, a good a good fixture for college football gone gone far far too soon. So again when when we say we are absolutely riding the Mississippi stri- Mississippi State train and the in the bowl game sorry illinois you, you you just you lost that one already yeah it's uh it's i think you know the last thing i can say about it that really goes to you know it's 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 interesting when you when you say the sentence you can't tell the story of college football from this period to this period without blank it's typically someone who you know won a national championship or you know was a, a coach of a very top program but i mean Mike Leach was one of the most recognizable, beloved characters, personalities in college football for the past decade, really. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, from his days at Texas Tech to Wazoo, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, we bring up all these various names and teams and different things, and when there's like connective tissue to Mike Leach and so many different things we're saying that speaks a ton about the impact he had. I mean, we brought up damn Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew doesn't get his shot uh, without Mike Leach coming to him and saying, Mike Leach, Gardner Minshew was like, I forget what community college or he was in, he was in Mississippi. He was at a Mississippi community college. And like Mike Leach literally came to him and was like, I know what you can do. Mike Leach saw stuff and ran an offense that very few teams had the balls to even attempt. That air raid, that whole thing that he's been doing for the past, that he was doing for the past decade, mm-hmm. past two decades, 
insane. I mean, very few teams jump, very few coaches could jump from conference to conference, always bring that same offense, and pretty much always get results. Um, It really, really sucks because Mississippi State seemed like they turned a corner this year in terms of that 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 uh, identity. So, um, yeah, prayers, uh, prayers, and thoughts to uh, to his family, to all those affected, and uh, yeah, um, you know. Kind of uh, feels weird saying this, but uh, if uh, if you want to support us, um, you can uh, go to twitter.com and follow us at Down and Out Podcast um, and uh, D O W N N O U T P O D C A S T, and then you can also go on Spotify and uh, leave us a uh, a five star review on there. But you know, go on Apple Podcasts, go wherever you listen to this, wherever you can find a way to review this, uh, give us a positive review. We do appreciate it. Yeah, there was no easy way to transition out of that, so I appreciate you doing the doing the Lord's work for, there for me. Yeah, but yeah, as as Evan said, that we thank you guys for the support, and uh, while you support us too, uh, as always, JD. J Masters and Buddha, Man in the Mirrors, our intro outro music. Go show the boys some love too. They're talented as all hell. Really appreciate those guys been day one with us. So really love for you guys to go shout them out. Uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, anywhere, you know, even JD and Buddha are on Instagram. So go show them some love there as well. Appreciate you guys as always. Jam packed episode. We'll be back next week. Till next time, it's been down and out. Have any final word, parting words to give to the people? Uh, no, just thank you for listening and, uh, uh, enjoy bowl season. Absolutely. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been down and out. Till next time. Arriva Derchi. Later. I went from rock to pool to cop a vibe like a fish. Assist like white chocolate. Handing out a dish. If the devil shows up, then my soul he just wish. I might accept the offer because I want to grind like cause and give the trophies to my mama. Make him sweat like a sauna. Cause act like I can't. Then I'ma spit like a llama. Take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga. So check me out. Fill me up and watch me bounce. Cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse Switch places, change faces, now Buddha runs a house Trust hip-hop more than bitches, so I'ma take her as a spouse Or at least a concubine If in front of my God feel divine I'ma grab it like a shield and I'ma make it shine Cause when I'm polished, I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant, go through the ceiling Man in the mirror, doubled up, now you all the fuck We go again, but when we stop blazing Boom, boom, pow, pow, what you gonna do now? Especially when I bring the energy like it's a powwow Besides, find a man, page your face, cause you a damn clown Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now The name is Buddha, bitch Damn, JD Uh, look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now